Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right, Las Vegas, I am Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL, 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. It is Thursday, which means that it is now time, finally this week, to talk about <coughs> excuse me, the issues of the day. I am more excited about today's conversation than I have been about any of our recent uh, Thursday shows that I can remember. And that may be because we are finally starting to see the um, the beginnings of presidential campaigns. Like we are just at the beginning. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm having issues with my voice today. Does not want to talk about the presidential campaigns, apparently. Uh, we are starting the election season, it seems, officially. Or maybe unofficially, however you want to look at it. Either way, we are going to have an election next year. I can't believe that it's next year already. And it's, it doesn't seem possible. Like, it's January, and tomorrow's February. How fast did that January go for you guys? Oh, my word. But um, next year already will be an election to determine the presidency for another four years. That is unreal. I can't believe that we are that far along. And... <clears throat> excuse me again, uh, even still, we are only two years into the presidency, and yet we're already talking about the next presidential campaign. I don't know if this is why I'm excited. I don't know. I really don't. But we have had several potential candidates come forward in the past week, and we are going to talk about all of them, starting, of course, okay, I have to get this one out of the way, all right? We have to talk about this. Someone tweeted their potential candidacy by saying, hello, <clears throat> I am considering a presidential run in 2020. Please retweet if you would support this endeavor for me. The Twitter account which tweeted this, of course, was in fact Pop-Tarts US. So Pop-Tarts has announced their potential presidential run. My question is very simple. Is this presidential run going to be conducted by the unfrosted nasty blueberry Pop-Tart? Or will it be the delicious, savory, frosted strawberry Pop-Tart? This is going to make a huge difference, guys. Like, there are so many different Pop-Tarts. Which one is actually running? And who, who is the VP? I mean, is Wendy's going to jump in here and run with them? Steakums? Little Debbie's snacks? I don't know. Some, somebody's got to be the Pop-Tarts VP. That's all I'm saying. And until we have more information, I, I don't know how we make that determination as to whether or not we can support the Pop-Tart candidacy. But we do have more information about some of our other candidates. Uh, Kamala Harris has announced that she is running for president. She seems uh, like a long shot, quite frankly. She is... Uh, she has decided to run her campaign, or at least what um, 
what we can presume is her campaign as a far leftist. So uh, she and Bernie Sanders are both co-sponsors of a Medicare bill for all that seeks to, quote, totally eliminate private insurance, unquote. Uh, it would also, in essence, therefore create a incredibly significant, unsustainable uh, financial issue with unprecedented tax increases in attempts to fund it, but nevertheless... Uh, she said uh, she was on, who was she on with? Jake Tapper. And she said, he was asking her about it, and she, he said, you would totally eliminate private insurance, so for people out there who like their insurance, they don't get to keep it. Of course, that would be a, a flashback to when President Obama said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Well, that didn't work out so well. Uh, now we have a straight-up question of, so what you're saying is if people do like their insurance, they don't get to keep it. And she said... In response, well, listen, the idea is that everyone gets access to medical care and you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us has not had that situation where you've got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if your insurance company is going to cover this. Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. So in short, she's saying a yes. Kamala Harris's plan would be Medicare for all and private insurance for no one. So if you like your plan, you know, at least uh, then candidate Obama said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Or maybe he was president at the time. I think he was president. Anyway, uh, for Kamala Harris, no. If you like your plan, you can't keep your plan. It doesn't matter. We're getting rid of health care as you know it. But that's just the beginning of what this woman is proposing. She also wants to ban all for-profit colleges. So make every college a, uh, a, a publicly funded, tuition-free, debt-free utopia. Because, you know, kids that pay to go to college are doing so well that we think it would be good to just not have them have to pay, or their parents. Because, you know, a college kid that's not invested at all financially in their college education is sure to exceed. Now, I'm not saying there aren't cases where people... Uh, could succeed or could do uh, could do much with a college education that can't get there financially right now. That's not what I'm saying. But when you open this up to literally anyone and just say, it's a free-for-all. Everybody go to college. It doesn't cost any money. Well, it does cost money. Everything in life costs money, except for salvation, which is awesome. I'm so glad that you don't have to pay your way into heaven because I would never get there. But the, the, college isn't free. All right, you've got the the buildings, you've got maintenance, you've got textbooks, you've got teachers. Are the teachers going to work for free? No. So who's going to pay them? We the taxpayers. Are the buildings going to be maintained for free? No. So who's going to pay for that? We the taxpayers. Are the textbooks going to be free? No. The publisher is going to charge someone for them. So who's going to be charged to? You and me. If you thought it was difficult putting your two kids through college, imagine what it will be like when we are collectively putting the entire nation's high school completers, I don't even know what you would call it, through college. Like it, this, is, this is an unbelievable, astronomical amount of money that we're talking about here. And in addition to paying for that, we'll also be paying for everyone's health insurance. So... You know, if you thought you had health insurance problems now, imagine when you're paying for millions of people. It's going to be great. Guys, no worries. Socialism always works. Duh, no. Um, she also wants to ban assault weapons. 
I'm not sure then, uh, like, what, what falls under the assault weapon category. Like, every gun imaginable, I would imagine, because it's capable of committing assault. Um, how about uh, shovels, hammers, knives? These would all be considered potentially assault weapons. So, you know, we're getting rid of all of the garden tools, um, as well as your firearms. We'll just do away with the Second Amendment completely. Uh, she wants to eliminate fossil fuels. So, bye-bye coal, bye-bye jobs. Uh, she wants to eliminate personal cars. So she is on this bandwagon of we need to have public transportation for everyone and the government will determine whether or not you may be permitted to have a car if it is deemed necessary by the government for you to have a vehicle. I, I don't know how anyone thinks this is okay. And it seems, based on some comments that she's made, that she also would not want uh, Catholics serving as federal judges. It's really, um, it's really outrageous. It's astronomical. Her, her incredibly progressive, if you will, policy ideas. And let's remember that she's coming from the state of California, which has a less than stellar track record economically, socially. I mean, this is the place where people are literally setting up camps everywhere and defecating in the streets. And uh, it's, just, it's just outrageous what's happening uh, in, in the Bay Area and throughout much of California right now. But this is where this woman is from. Oh, and oh, I forgot one. She also wants the Green New Deal. I talked about that in a past episode, so I'm not going to go back through it. But uh, bad, bad, not green, not new, and not a deal. So that's Kamala Harris. Then we have Howard Schultz. No, he did not create the Peanuts comic strip. That'd be Charles Schultz. Howard Schultz is the guy that used to be the CEO of Starbucks. And he has been making waves the past week by talking about not only Kamala Harris, but also Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other things. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit about this guy, because Kamala Harris is easy. We have her public record uh, in California, and she is so far left. Uh, in fact, Bernie Sanders said something the other day. He said that the Democratic Party has come further in two years than he thought it would in his entire lifetime, or something to that effect. And he's right. It's amazing how far left uh, the much of the Democratic Party has swung. Not all Democrats, obviously, but... Uh, I would say it's getting close to a majority. In fact, it's over a majority if you look at some of the, the issues that they're being pulled on. But Howard Schultz, on the other hand, uh, he grew up in public housing in Brooklyn, New York. He was the first person in his family to graduate college. He worked at Xerox and then uh, was recruited to work at Hammerplast, which was a Swedish housewares company as its U.S. general manager. In 1981 is where his story kind of skyrockets. He walked into the Starbucks original location in Seattle to find out why it was buying so many of his company's espresso, espresso, that's not a word, espresso machines. And the store made a huge impression on him. He decided then and there that the, the shop was determined, uh, or was destined rather, uh, for a great future. He left New York and Hammersplatt and started his career in Starbucks in 1982 when he became part owner and the company's director of retail operations and marketings. Starbucks had only four stores at the time and it sold only beans, not coffee. Schultz took a trip to Italy 
the following year, in 1983, and said he returned with a vision to create the American coffee scene or a third place for people to go between home and work. So he thought, you know, we can create this atmosphere where people have a hangout that isn't home, that isn't work, but someplace that feels like kind of a, a... a mix or cross between the two. So it could be like a home away from home. It could be an office away from an office. And we will provide that. And that's what he did. He, uh, he, he transformed Starbucks from a tiny company that just brewed beans to a company that served coffee. Not brewed beans. That just sold beans, I guess. Uh, to, to, uh, to just a... Um, an incredibly successful, valuable company worth seventy-eight billion dollars when he left the company uh, uh, several years ago. So, very successful businessman, brilliant marketing mind, brilliant uh, business mind. In many ways, not unlike uh, President Trump in that regard. Now, he's come forward and announced that he is considering running. But, but he's making waves with Democrats because though he has been a registered Democrat, uh, he says that one of the reasons he could never run for president as a Democrat is because the party has moved too far left. So he said, quote, and where was he when he did this? He did an interview uh, on CNBC. It was on CNBC. And he said, I respect the Democratic Party. I no longer feel affiliated, though, because I don't know their views represent the majority of Americans. I don't think we want a 70% income tax in America. That, of course, was a a toss to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's proposal that we should tax uh, by 70, uh, 70%. Uh, So he said he's seriously considering running for president as a centrist independent outside of the two-party system. He said, the way I've come to this decision is I believe that if I ran as a Democrat, I would have to say things that I know in my heart I do not believe, and I would have to be disingenuous. He said, we are sitting right now with a national debt of $21.5 trillion on the balance sheet of our country. And if we were a company, if America was a company at $21.5 trillion of debt, adding $1 trillion a year, instead we'd be facing insolvency. That is highly accurate and very smart. So instead of uh, this guy, this guy is brilliant in my opinion because what he's effectively doing here is he's positioning himself to the right of crazy-sounding Democrats like Kamala Harris and AOC, but he's positioning himself to the left of Trump socially, while potentially to his right fiscally. This is huge, okay? He's not going after... He's not name-calling. He's not going after, at least right now, social issues. What he's doing is laying a foundation wherein he's saying, my focus is the money. And we have to do something about the money. It's very fascinating. He also said uh, he went after... uh, He went after Kamala Harris... uh, he said, uh, what was he on? He was on 60 Minutes. No, he was on CBS this morning. And uh, he compared the Democratic stance on universal health care to something as false as the Trump border wall. And uh, he said, quote, you just played Senator Harris as saying she wants to abolish the insurance industry. That's not correct. That's not American. What's next? What industry are we going to abolish next? The coffee industry. So 
Again, he's positioning himself to the right of Democrats, while still to the left of Republicans. He continued by saying, I mean, the Republicans want to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. I don't agree with that. The Affordable Care Act should stay and it should be refined. But to think that we should get rid of the insurance industry, again, this is exactly the situation. It's far too extremes on both sides, and the silent majority of America does not have a voice, and that's the voice I want to give them. To me, this is absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I don't think we're to a point where he could win, but I personally think that if he would run, he could potentially take votes away from both candidates, many in much in the same way that Ross Perot did back in the day, because he is making sense. He's going to make sense. He's going to make sense to Republicans that think that Trump uh, is too extreme on certain issues or that are fed up uh, with the spending or that just want someone that seems more calm and cool and collected, this guy would come across as being more level-headed. No matter what you think of the president, I think he's done a a good job. But when it comes to personality, this guy uh, would be considered more calm. There's just no way you can watch him and not think that. He just, he makes sense logically. He speaks well. And that's, I think, going to appeal to many people. Um, that don't necessarily care about social conservatism, all right? That's the key here. Social conservatives are not going to vote for him. But there, I think, is a significant portion of fiscal conservatives and other Republicans uh, who aren't Trump fans that could potentially vote for him. And then on the other side, you have, you know, if if Democrats do put up somebody like Kamala Harris or or somebody like Bernie Sanders or somebody far left or somebody that is also bombastic and makes outrageous statements, this guy can take away votes from that. This guy can take votes from Democrats by saying, look... I agree with many of these Democrat policies, but here is why I think they work. Here is how we can make them better. And I don't agree with all this other crazy nonsense that they're saying. And I think that, too, could appeal to a lot of people. So I think the way he is attempting uh, to brand himself is brilliant. If he is sincerely thinking about running for president, I don't personally think that he could win. Uh, that could be could be wrong. Um I think he would be better than many other uh, Democrats that we potentially get as an option. But at this point, I have not seen anyone uh, on the to the left, <laughs> whether that be independent or Democrat, that I would personally feel comfortable with my president because of the social stand that I would take on many, if not most, issues. Now, here's what I don't like about this guy. What I don't like about this guy is that he is dangerous because though he sounds good, though he sounds like the middle of the road, you know, we need to bring some normalcy and some average America back into the presidency. This guy is anything but average America and normal Americana. Okay, this is not who this guy is. How do I know this? Just look at Starbucks. Look at Starbucks' long history of liberal leftist activism over the years, and you can see why this guy is not going to go anywhere with social conservatives. Starbucks, remember, it was this guy, Howard Schultz, a few years ago, He told Christian shareholders to take a hike. 
if they didn't agree with the company's support for same-sex marriage. Do you remember that? That wasn't that long ago. It was this guy that said it. It was this guy who basically told Christians, if you don't like our stance on same-sex marriage, go get your coffee somewhere else. Not a great business practice, but a definite window into the soul there. He banned all customers from legally carrying firearms in their stores, regardless of what permits they may hold or what the state law may be at any particular place. Just no. The company is a very uh, significant supporter of Planned Parenthood. Starbucks is, uh, when it comes to the environment, they are a corporate partner of the Environmental Defense Fund, which supports cap and trade. They are a uh, supporter of the Paris Climate Deal and have pledged to continue in the Paris Climate Agreement, despite the fact that the U.S. has withdrawn from it. Starbucks partners with the National Urban League, which supports same-sex marriage. Starbucks supported same-sex marriage by signing an amicus brief asking the Supreme Court to overturn state marriage laws uh, in Ogberfell v. Hodges, 2015. Starbucks is a company that matches gifts to Planned Parenthood. It matches gifts to Susan G. Komen, New York City, and Minnesota chapters, which both fund Planned Parenthood. And it partners with Girls, Inc., which is a pro-abortion organization. It supports Common Core. It advocates for the implementation of Common Core standards. It advocates for sanctuary cities. Uh, It's a top donor to the Association of the Advancement of Mexican Americans, which is an affiliate of La Raza, which also advocates for sanctuary cities. And it is a corporate sponsor of the Human Rights Campaign, which I, I don't even have time to tell you about how terrible that is for actual uh, human rights and uh, traditional values. But you can, you can find out more about this. There's an excellent, excellent website. It's called Second Vote. That's the number two ND vote. Secondvote.com. And you can look up any company... Well, not any company, but most companies in America. And this this um, this website will show you uh, where companies spend their money on social issues. And then they will rank the companies from one to five. One being uh, the most liberal leftist, five being the most uh, conservative or right wing. Starbucks has a ranking of one in every category that second vote Studies. So on the Second Amendment, the environment, marriage, life, education, immigration, and religious liberty, Starbucks is as liberal and as leftist as you can possibly get. In fact, I think if they had a rating of zero, they would rate zero in many of these uh, instances. So this guy, while I think it is brilliant politically what he's doing, presenting himself as the, as the moderate, as the alternative for both sides, he is anything but... And Starbucks is proof of that. Under his leadership, Starbucks has just been an incredibly, incredibly leftist, liberal organization with their social spending. I'm not talking about their coffee now. I don't like coffee. I don't really have a preference when it comes to coffee because I don't like any coffee. The only thing I ever get at Starbucks is water because they put like ice water in a really nice plastic cup and it's free. And uh, and sometimes if I have like a gift card or they're doing like the half price ones, I think they do that once a year maybe, um, I'll get um, 
a uh, double chocolatey chip frappuccino. It's pretty good. It's basically like a milkshake. No coffee involved. And then uh, sometimes when people bring me Starbucks, they'll bring me like a tea or something because I don't like I don't like coffee. So I I literally never pay for myself to go to Starbucks. I just don't because I don't. But I don't pay for myself to go to like Pete's Coffee or Coffee Bean or Dunkin' Donuts. Like I just don't. I don't buy myself coffee or stuff from coffee places because I never find myself at a coffee place. Okay. So I'm not talking about their coffee. I'm not talking about their business model. Their business model is phenomenal. They treat their employees exceptionally, exceptionally well. Um, they have He has seen enormous success with this company. And as a businessman, anyone that would say that he is not a brilliant business mind is just kidding themselves. He is a brilliant, brilliant businessman. And I think, uh, you know, he brings up very valid points when he talks about the debt and when he goes after our spending habits that that I think will work for him in uh, in his opposition of Trump if she, he should continue to move forward with this. But when he says that he is a moderate or that he is a centrist or that he is running as the middle of the road guy, that is not true. Even if he never wants to talk about these things, at some point during the campaign, these things are going to come up and everyone will see that despite his uh, I'm not Kamala Harris and I'm not uh, I'm not AOC... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, he is in fact very, very much a leftist liberal. He simply would not be when it comes to fiscal issues. So on fiscal issues, he almost leans conservative, but on every social issue, that will not be the case. So don't, uh, don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you hear. Even from me, go check it out yourself. Find out what Starbucks has been up to. Research this guy. Don't get too excited about anybody or any candidate until you actually know who they are and what they believe. Okay? Now, before we go to a break, we are we have um we have some opinions, some responses from individuals as to Howard Schultz's announcement uh, that he would run for president as an independent. Oh, dear. Tina Podladowski, the Democratic Party chairwoman in Washington state, said, quote, For somebody who is professing to be a lifelong Democrat, I think to be running as an independent in this particular cycle is not a wise thing to do. Okay. Was that like a veiled threat? I don't know. The president, Donald Trump, reacted uh, with him, (laughs) reacted to his interviews with very typical tweets. The uh, first was uh, watched him on 60 Minutes last night and I agree with him that he is not the smartest person. Besides, America already has that. Uh, presumably meaning himself. I only hope that Starbucks is still paying me their rent in Trump Tower. Oh, snap. That was followed by Howard Schultz doesn't have the guts to run for president. Okay, um, if you thought somebody was trying to goad somebody into running for president, uh, Schultz responded with his own tweet, letting everybody know that he has no intentions of doing anything that would enable Donald Trump to win another term. Michelle Goldberg, an opinionist column, no, an opinionist columnist, 
an opinion columnist over at the New York Times, wrote, even if there were a latent contingent constituency of modern Rockefeller Republicans longing for the leadership of an enlightened plutocrat, third-party presidential campaigns are terrible vehicles for building political power. America's two-party system, unfortunate as it is, is an inevitable result of the winner-take-all nature of our elections. It cannot simply be wished away. There's so much that she's putting into that those two sentences. It is amazing. Like such a, you know, somebody has written way too long when they can write a sentence, two sentences like that, and stick that much into two sentences. So she's essentially, I guess it's three sentences. She's she's blasting the electoral college while also blasting the two-party system, while also blasting somebody for daring to think that they could be successful running as a third-party candidate. Mm, Wow, 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 wow. Uh, We had some historians get on CNN, and they said, quote, if Schultz's goal is breaking free of the polarized politics of the Trump presidency, he should understand that his independent candidacy could wind up prolonging it. If the president were to win re-election in a cluttered campaign field, he and his party would surely take it as a sign of reaffirmation and double down on a radical agenda that would advance a number of right-wing proposals that Schultz claims to oppose. Mm-hmm. The Washington Post had an article by a guy named Eugene Robinson who wrote, quote, Schultz seems to be an honorable and decent guy, and I have nothing against him, but I most certainly will if he saddles the nation with four more years of Trump's racism, xenophobia, misogyny, ignorance, dishonesty, and incompetence. Tell us how you really feel. Then we had the New York Times guy, David Leonard, the most reasonable, well, not reasonable, but the most, well, you'll see. He wrote, Schultz is correct that there may be room in American politics for a candidate who doesn't line up neatly with the two parties, but we already knew that. Just consider the last businessman turned candidate who vowed to change politics. Obviously, I'm not at all happy about Trump's presidency, but he is much closer to the median voter than Schultz's. Schultz's version of that voter is a fantasy. Interesting. So he's essentially saying that Trump is more of a fringe candidate that upsets the political order than Schultz would be. Mm-hmm. Somebody understanding where Schultz actually stands on the issues. Shocking. And the quotes go on and on and on, with almost every Democrat essentially begging this guy not to run because they are sure that he will split uh, the the leftist vote that the Democrat would then not win and that he would hand the president for more years of power. I believe President Trump and his advisors, well, I don't know if he talks to anyone before he tweets, but based on his tweet, I think that he probably feels uh, the same way. Mm-hmm. So, there you have it. Now you know all about this guy, Howard Schultz, his planned possible run as an independent for president, what people are saying, what he's saying, and what he's actually, actually about. Just look at the Starbucks record. It is all there. Okay, the time has come. We must take a break. When we return, we'll talk about the now-ended, but perhaps soon again to begin, shut down the upcoming State of the Union address. Yes, it is happening and more. Don't go away. All right, the infamous 2019 government shutdown is over. Or is it? Maybe, maybe not. All in all, the uh, the shutdown lasted 35 days, making it the longest shutdown of our government in history. 
and cost us $11 billion. $11 billion cost to uh, the U.S. economy. So in essence, it would have been better to simply keep the government open and give Trump the funding that he asked for the wall rather than close down the government. We would have all seen... It would have been cheaper. Literally cheaper. To fund the wall than to shut down the government. That is just unbelievable. But the shutdown has come to an end, at least for now. We have uh, an agreement between the president and Democrats to reopen the government until February 15th. Our, our, our federal employees that were furloughed are getting their back pay now. And uh, and everything is back to normal, sort of. The president said when they announced this plan, let me be very clear, quote, we really have no choice but to build a powerful wall or steel barrier. If we don't get a fair deal from Congress, the government either shuts down on February 15th again or I will use the powers afforded to me under the laws and the Constitution of the United States to address this emergency. In my personal opinion, despite the fact that I believe we need a wall desperately, despite the fact that overall I think the president has done a good job when it comes to governing, tweeting, and other things, not so much, but governing, yes, I do not think that it is wise for us, uh, or more specifically for the president, to go ahead and usurp Congress, even though this is something that should be done, it's just, I do not think that it is wise uh, for Republicans start walking a very, very hmm, slippery slope. I know some people hate that term, but if it's not okay for the president to usurp Congress when the president is a leftist Democrat trying to accomplish a, a leftist agenda item, it is also not okay for a president who is a Republican to usurp Congress in an attempt to put forward a right-winged agenda item. Does that make sense? Okay, it doesn't matter if it's a wall. It doesn't matter if it's Obamacare. Usurping Congress is never the answer. Well, okay. That, yes, I guess it would be the answer. There would be some exceptions to that. I can't say never. But it is not, it's just not a good idea. A bipartisan panel is apparently now working on a border security package. Meantime, the government will be open for three weeks. Three weeks. They couldn't get a deal in 35 days of shutdown. And yet we somehow think that we will get a deal in three weeks now that Democrats have gotten what they wanted and the president didn't get what he wanted. I... I am very sad to say that I foresee a very, very similar, if not exact, replica of our current situation happening just mere weeks from now. Really, mm, it's like two weeks, two weeks in a day from now. I believe that the government will be shut down again, or the president is going to do something. Something is going to happen. Because I don't think that Congress and the White House are going to be able to come to an agreement. Now, there are Republicans in the Senate and in Congress 
that are saying we absolutely will not allow the government uh, to be shut down again. But the president is saying he absolutely is going to do whatever it takes to get the border secure. It's just uh, three weeks is not enough time for this to happen. In my opinion. I just, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I really don't. Congress could make a deal. I don't see that happening. I don't really see them shutting down the government again either. Just because it was kind of a fiasco on both sides. And Democrats are trying to blame Trump for it. And Republicans, some of them are starting to blame Trump for it. And they don't want that to happen again. And since I, I, I don't see any way that Congress solves a decades-long problem in, you know, the next two weeks and a day, I think what will happen is that um, Trump is going to declare a national emergency come February 15th or the day or so after. Uh, he'll, he'll declare the situation at the border a national emergency. He will try to divert fundings. Fundings? Oh my, it's Thursday. That means tomorrow's Friday. It's a good thing. He'll try to divert funding from who knows where to get the wall built. And uh, and then there would be a lawsuit. So, <laughs> that's... Uh, okay. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, it's... Oh. I don't know why you go 35 days of shutdown and then give in and say it's okay because in the next three weeks we're going to get a deal. I just, I, the shutdown was pointless in essence because it accomplished nothing and we saw economic loss to our nation because of it. It was stupid on the part of Democrats. They should have just given him the money he was requesting for the wall. It would have saved us financially and if the president was going to to make this an issue, in my opinion, he should have not let up until they came to a deal. Because now that now that there's no more shutdown, there's no more urgency to come to a deal. And I, there's not going to be a deal by the 15th. I'm just, I'm saying right now, I see, I just, it's not going to happen. But the president's still going to want his wall. Democrats still aren't going to give it to him. He declares an emergency. He takes money from somewhere to do it. And then, and then Democrats. Somebody, somebody's going to sue him, sue the government. I don't, I don't know how exactly that's going to work, but it. That's, that's, that's my prediction on that. That's, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. But, hey, and this was. I, I think this was a sad concession. It felt like when the government shutdown ended, like we're not going to get a wall, but we're going to get to give the State of the Union. I, we didn't need the State of the Union as a country. We need a wall. I don't have time today to get into why we need the wall, but we do. Okay, It's not about cruelty. It's not about being inhumane. It's about the government doing its job and and taking care of its responsibilities first and having the best possible immigration uh, system in the world. All right, We are more welcoming of immigrants than any other country on the globe. Okay? 
we, we, it's, the numbers are staggering. But in order to maintain our hospitableness, hospitality, I guess just hospitality, in order to maintain our hospitality, we cannot just have illegal immigration uh, on the rampant scale that it is now. But anyway, State of the Union is back on. We're going to get to have a State of the Union. A real good old-fashioned from the halls of Congress State of the Union address. Has been delayed, however. The President received another letter from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi that said, quote, When I wrote to you on January 23rd, I stated that we should work together to find a mutually agreeable date when government has reopened to schedule this year's State of the Union address. In our conversation today, we agreed on February 5th. Therefore, I invite you to deliver your State of the Union address before a joint session of Congress on February 5th, 2019 in the House chamber. Trump responded, uh, to the invitation by saying it is my great honor to accept well he didn't say he wrote back it says you know protocol we have a great story to tell and yet great goals to achieve you know that this speech is going to talk a lot about (laughs) the border it's going to be so much about the border um I personally I enjoy the uh I enjoy watching the State of the Union. I do. But I'm more of a political junkie. It's just something fun. (laughs) I love watching the opposing party's representatives sitting in the House chamber and refusing to clap or acknowledge even the most incredible things simply because someone not affiliated with their party is either saying them or accomplishing them. It is unbelievable to me. That is my favorite part. My favorite part of the State of the Union (laughs) is watching the opposing parties' representatives just mind-blowingly refuse to acknowledge good things that everyone should be able to agree on. Okay, Not not things that are like down the party lines, (laughs) political issues, but like... (laughs) He could stand up there and he could be like, we have decided to (laughs) give, you know, free Chick-fil-A to every middle school student in America. And they would sit there and not respond because they don't like the president or they don't like Chick-fil-A. They don't care about your free food. Uh, That's not a good example. It's not a good example. He could stand up and he could say... He could say, we have found a way to eliminate our national debt completely without raising taxes or cutting funding from any current government programs. That seems pretty safe. And they would sit there and not clap. He could say, we have, Israel has found a cure for cancer. And they would sit there and not clap. Because they don't like Israel. Or the president. These are just hypotheticals. None of these are actually going to happen. I don't think. But that's what, that's what I like to watch for. Stacey Abrams, who has been someone the Democrats have been calling a rising star in the Democratic Party. 
thrust into the spotlight in her failed uh, Georgia gubernatorial candidacy, uh, she is going to be giving the rebuttal for the State of the Union. I do not understand this one at all. What's interesting is that she was asked to give the rebuttal at the beginning of January before we even knew that a State of the Union would be happening. Interesting. I but I, I don't understand I don't understand the pick uh for this one. Um you are two State of the Unions away from the twenty twenty presidential campaigns. And uh I don't I don't see her going anywhere in that regard as far as the presidency at this point. That doesn't to say I, you know she couldn't or that I could be wrong, but I don't I don't see that happening. So I'm kinda surprised that she's the one that they've chosen to give this uh, give this uh, response, I guess is the technical term for it, but it's a rebuttal, no matter what anybody says. And it will definitely be an improvement on when uh, <laughs> when Speaker Pelosi and Chuck Schumer did their response. I don't even remember what, what was they were giving a response to, but that was just sad. The memes, priceless. The response itself, Sad. I don't know who agreed that that was a good idea, but it was not. <laughs> Hopefully Stacey Abrams has a better night than they did. Although it was it was pretty comical. It was kind of kind of fun to uh to watch, not to be part of, obviously. Okay, another quick break. When we return, we'll be wrapping things up for this Thursday. Don't go away. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience the Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. And last but not least today, the FBI announced this week that they have found no specific motive in the October 1 shooting here in Las Vegas. Uh, The man who killed 58 Americans took any possible motive with him to the grave. Uh, The FBI has said that they found no single or clear motivating factor for the attack. Aaron Roos the agent in charge of the FBI's Las Vegas office told the Associated Press, quote, it wasn't about MGM, Mandalay Bay, or a specific casino or venue. It was all about doing the maximum amount of damage and him obtaining some sort of infamy. And that's it. That's that's all that the FBI has concluded. Uh, they said that he acted alone. He committed a heinous act. Uh, If he wanted to leave a message, he would have left one. Bottom line, the FBI is saying is he didn't want people to know what his motive was or if he had a motive. Uh, He, um, the FBI says that he worked alone, that that he was not motivated by any sort of religion or religious group, um, that he was not seeking to further any agenda. He did not leave any sort of indications or manifesto, suicide note, The only thing they were able to determine was that he had planned to fatally shoot himself uh, after the attack was their belief. um, And that all we know is he wanted to to murder as many people as possible and he wanted to live in infamy. 
while this report uh, doesn't bring closure, uh, I am grateful that in many ways I think it, it validates what our sheriff and what our police department has been saying uh, pretty much since the get-go. Um, the FBI also acknowledged that there were many uh, false reports of other shootings at Las Vegas casinos that same uh, evening. They acknowledged the, uh, the conspiracy theory, said incorrect, um, that there were many 911 calls, many false reports, many things being circulated that were not true, and uh, that the findings of the Las Vegas Police Department uh, were correct. After their hundreds of interviews, thousands of hours of investigative work, the FBI has reached the same conclusion. This guy wasn't motivated by any specific factor. He just was exercising in a, in a evil manner out to murder as many people as he could in hopes that he would be famous in some way. That's something that we can't even really begin to wrap our heads around, I think, for most of us. This guy, whose name we won't even mention because we don't want to give him the infamy that he so desires, but almost 900 people injured, 58 people killed. The amount of evil that rained down on our city that evening is something that we will never forget. As we continue to pray for the families who lost, lost their loved ones in that horrific moment, who will never know any sort of motive. But the FBI has closed, uh, has closed its investigation. They have uh, agreed uh, with the Las Vegas Police Department and with Sheriff Lombardo's findings. Um, no specific motive in the Las Vegas shooting on October the 1st, 2017. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you for being with us. I hope you'll join us for church on Sunday, 9.30 or 11.15 Sunday morning, 6 p.m. Sunday evening. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. We're catty corner from the Best Buy on Rainbow and Lake Mead uh, here in the city. If you can't be here in person because you don't live here or because you have, you know, are sick or something, you can stream us that's all folks no it's not you can stream our service online at experienceliberty.com or by visiting our facebook page at liberty baptist church of las vegas thanks for being with us don't forget to tune in tomorrow it's friday which means we don't talk about any politics and i give stuff away it's gonna be epic you can listen here in vegas on 101.1 fm or by streaming at our website kvxl101.com see you tomorrow have a great day everyone